listening to the Getting Smart Podcast. Where we unpack what's new and innovative in education. This is Tom Vanderark, and this week I'm talking to my colleague, Emily Leaptag. Hi, Emily. How's it going? Excited to be talking to you. We have visited so many cool schools in the last three weeks. It's amazing. We've been in like 12 cities and 25 schools and crisscrossing the country. Emily, what? any favorites from the last couple of weeks? I can't keep all of them straight, but a couple of things really stand out and um, a couple of places really stand out, uh, namely um, some schools in Charlottesville, Virginia. I'm thinking of Agner Hurt Elementary School that's led by by a gentleman named Doug, where it, they have massive multi-age open spaces. And that space was so cool, Emily. And Doug, Doug was a former music teacher who's a first-year principal. He'd been AP for a long time, but Doug had just this wonderful sense about him. He brought all the beautiful things that music teachers learn. He had the, he, he talked about the humility of being a band, a band director, you know, and, and where once kids get good, they're better than you are on, <laughs> on their instruments and taking that humility to, you know, his design focused, um, leadership. What a cool school, right? Absolutely. What, what did you what did you like about that multi-age space? That students were moving fluidly between different spaces, were calm, were engaged, and totally knew what they were doing. It was the adults entering the room that were yeah. the ones that felt confused or not confused, but like they couldn't handle it. And then once you see that the students get it, if you if you give that type of space to students, they get it. Um, it was really, really neat to see. And kind of what you're saying about Doug, that students were grappling with really challenging problems. And then students were reading and, and learning how to decode all in the same space. So Albemarle County has got this provocateur in chief named Ira Sokol, who has this really clear design sense that they've applied to to program and space. And so when you walk into any space, there's multiple ways for students to engage, right? Uh, soft and hard furniture, high and low furniture. And also the from a programming standpoint, we saw the teachers sort of lay out a scavenger hunt morning where students had voice and choice in terms of what they did and where they did it and with whom they uh, they they worked. And so they, they really ask students to be intentional about what they're going to learn and where they're going to learn it. Just a terrific example of team, model, and space all being really intentionally designed. And these were teachers that had been in Albemarle before this new kind of design approach, traditionally trained a lot of them, and then all got on board and all were really thriving in that situation. I don't I don't know if I talked to a teacher who had a traditional design background. Most of them, yeah. like you said, Doug was a musician. We talked to a French teacher who was leading um, students working on Andrinos. Right. Yeah, so um, a real sense of everyone was kind of on board. Isn't it cool? Like a typing teacher and a French teacher uh, teaching robotics to, yes. to girls. And yeah, that was exciting. So what you know, else have you noticed? You've been, I know yesterday you went to SAMI, which is a school yeah, in yeah, Tacoma. Yeah, I was in Tacoma Public Schools, and they have this fantastic science and math institute. It's at the Point Defiant Zoo. So also one of the best examples of place-based learning 
that we've ever seen. I don't know if you saw the tiger that I posted on Instagram yesterday, but we like students brought me to the zoo and I was like face to face with a tiger before the conference even started. Just what, what an extraordinary place to go to school and to be, you know, become a tour guide. Another great example of deeper learning, you know, integrated into the team, the model and, and the space. And space obviously looked very different than most spaces we've been, but all the same working and applying some of the principles we've seen. Um, right. What are Speaking of, as you mentioned, we've been to a ton of schools in the past three weeks and over the course of the past you know, two decades, but we've been noticing some, some differences in some of these, these spaces. I'd be curious um, what you have to say about that and what you've been noticing. You know, some people think that th- this design focus is just a fad, but I, l- let me give a sort of a two-minute background on why we think design is um, is super important. So we're, we're a couple years into a new economy, the economy that comes after the information age. And this new economy is really shaped by artificial intelligence, uh, which is now really pervasive in every form of life. And the, the World Economic Forum calls this the fourth industrial revolution. Um, but we think this new age really requires a high degree of student agency, the kind that we saw at, uh, at Egner Hurt, where kids really own their own learning. And they need to uh, three things. They need to be confident in the face of complexity. I, I really like how Jonathan Rochelle at, at Google uh, makes confidence, student confidence in the face of complexity, uh, um, you know, his number one priority. And in that category, I would put, um, I call them attack skills, the ability to walk into a new situation and know what to do. That's problem solving. Uh, it's design thinking. Um, and secondly, would taking initiative in the face of opportunity. You know, everybody's an entrepreneur, whether you are working for yourself or somebody else, but uh, learning how to earn, learning how to deliver value um, has never been more important. And then finally, self-awareness in the face of diversity. This is being self-aware and being able to develop relationships with other people. So in, in short, design thinking and entrepreneurship and relationship skills are really high priorities in uh, in this new economy. And so Design thinking is not an add-on anymore. It is uh, every bit of a, a basic skill as uh, reading, writing, and math. And how have you seen that change? I know you're classically trained as an engineer, and uh, pattern recognition would be definitely one of your strengths. H- how is your training and thought about design in that way different yeah. than what we're seeing? Well, you know, I'm, I'm an engineer and a finance guy, and in both business school and engineering school, you were taught to recognize the kind of problem and then apply the right tool, you know? And so you got a tool belt and you just, once you figured out what kind of problem you were dealing with, you applied the, the, the right um, solution. What's different today is that people are facing more new problems, um, more uh, adaptive problems. They're, they're seeing novelty and complexity. And, and this is true, not just in engineering, but in medicine and sociology, uh, in biology, even in accounting. Um, mm-hmm. Every field is facing novelty and complexity. And as a result, every field needs these new attack skills, new problem solving and design. And design that you and I both have noticed, we have a lot of um, 
really smart folks coming to us, rethinking what school could look like. And often we hear, let's talk about health careers. Let's talk about finance. Let's talk about STEM subjects. But at the core, what you and I've been noticing is in order to attack novel problems, to be self-aware, to understand complexity, that if you go really long on something like STEM, that you miss out on teaching those design skills, which can get you at STEM content, which can get you at health content. It's really not about the content anymore. It's uh, uh, you you clearly need to know um, content to understand a a, a new context. But uh, what's critical is, is not learning science it's doing science. Right. And, and so it's applying these, these problem-solving and design skills uh, to, to new situations. One of our favorite schools is a, a, an after-school program and a, and a new high school called One Stone in Boise, Idaho, and they have a really well-structured design thinking methodology. It was adapted from the, the de- design school at Stanford, and that process starts with um, – empathy and understanding the nature of the problem that you're dealing with, understanding how the, the people that are facing the problem are, are feeling about it, how they understand the problem. And once you, once you understand that, then it's, it's all about um, proposing potential solutions and then prototyping uh, and testing solutions. It becomes a process of iterative development. The empathy piece, I think, is huge. Um, yeah. I've heard a lot of people who are um, skeptical of design thinking in school say that you're asking students to create products and step into the business world too soon. But what you and I see is, sure, students are making products, but it it could be a a service. It could be a tool. It could be a solution for a cause in their local community. It could be something that's really applicable to a current issue or something that they're facing and much far less uh, creation of product and, and sales and so on and so forth. What's an example? I know you've been to One Stone several times. What's an example of a project that uh, students did and applied this process? Yeah, they, they apply it um, in every aspect of, uh, of the school. Um, you know, there was a a student named Jared, who was not a, a great student at his prior high school that came uh, to One Stone and, and the makerspace r- really lit him up. It's where he learned uh, to program and, and to really take uh, charge of his own learning. And then they, um, they created design labs and uh, they asked students if they had a superpower that they wanted to share. It turned out Jared was uh, played guitar and uh, Jared started teaching guitar classes, and he taught both students and the teachers, the coaches at One Stone. Um, all of that led Jared to launch a, a recording studio uh, that is is a new program at One Stone uh, that's available to students and uh, and community members. So that's a, a progression of student agency that you know led to the design of a both a new space and a new program at the school by uh, an excited student. And we've seen some of those examples in a lot of other schools across the country that I want to make sure we shed light on and talk about because this type of work can, as we said, mentioned Sammy in Tacoma. We mentioned Albemarle schools that this type of design-based thinking and design thinking itself can be used different school contexts, different geographies, all types of students. Um, What are some of your other favorites? Before we jump into uh, a couple 
specific schools, let me just mention a couple of trends that we've been seeing across the country. One is integration over isolation, that design, design thinking is not just something that you do in Maker Lab. It's something that you also use in uh, English and humanities and math. So all the schools we're going to talk about today uh, use design thinking across the curriculum. It's also supported by skill building. Um, one of our favorite examples is Design um, Design Tech High, DTech, on the Oracle campus. And every ninth grader there takes a prototyping class. So, Emily, when we were there a couple of weeks ago, they had 40 sewing machines out. And students were sewing a bag that they had drawn in the drawing class the week before. So, they're learning specific prototyping strategies and, and ways that they can physically and digitally share their new ideas. But Emily, you also just uh, launched high-quality project-based learning, and one of the important elements of that is uh, project management, learning how to build a project plan, developing clear roles, managing timelines. And that's one of the ways these overlap, right? Projects overlap is that through your design process, managing that as a project and understanding what your end goal is and what your end outcome is. Another trend that I've been really noticing is that all of these schools we visit and students we talk to are working on extended challenges around really big issues um, of our time and then of our future, our foreseeable future. Um, right. Hashtag global goals. They're using those sustainable development goals or, or going even beyond those to great opportunities in their community. Yeah, and, and really open-ended problems. We walked into that prototyping room at DTech, and the, the gentleman who was facilitating the class, he didn't know the answer to what they were working on either and didn't have an idea about what the end yeah. would look like. Emily, that's so, that's so important that this takes a certain um, curiosity and intellectual humility for teachers to ask students to engage in problems that they don't know the answers to. I mean, when we're talking about hunger and water shortages and climate change, none of us know the answer to these. And it's being comfortable with being uncomfortable. It's it's wandering into uh, the uncertainty that is just a, you know, it's a new mindset for teachers and administrators. Right. Design is definitely a mindset. Design is definitely a set of tools. Um, it's, it's twofold. All right. Tell us about D39, one of the schools oh. that, embody, that embodies these trends and priorities like no other. Design 39 is uh, the latest, the 39th school in the Poway School District, just north of San Diego. They have one of the most thoughtful leaders that we've we've ever met, Joe Erpelding. Um, it's a K-8 school, a spectacular building, um, but it serves a really um, highly challenged uh, population. And it's just uh, a joy-filled school that really uh, promotes student agency, deeper learning, and, and, and uh, promotes design across the curriculum. I'll also note here that the space, uh, like beautiful, 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 embraces the design principles and encourages students to think in that fashion and be in that mindset. From the open spaces to the quiet corners, there's always a way for students to engage and iterate and actually, and by iteration, change their space. Lots of movable furniture and dynamic environments. Yeah. And, and nearby, there's Del Lago Academy, one of your favorite high schools. This is a new high school in the Escondido uh, Unified School District. It's yeah. a health-focused. It's a, a one-pathway high school. 
What do you like about Del Lago? Well, originally started and led by Keith Nuttall, who's now at in Paramount USD and starting another design-based school. But what I really love about this is that they, as you said, are focusing on a health um, and biotech pathway and then applying the design principles throughout. So students are working to articulate and craft what their what really what their future will be and what the future of these fields will be um, through powerful experiences yeah. both at Del Lago and then out in the field. You know, I have a great podcast with Alec Brown and one of his business partners. Um, one of the best examples that we've seen of business partners helping to define um, a, a set of micro credentials that what kids need to know and be able to do in science and biotech and providing internships for students. Sure, they're designing what they want to know and be able to do alongside business partners. Pretty incredible. Um, Vita is another school that's nearby. Yeah, Yeah, Vita is a school that's nearby, led by um, a gentleman named Eric. It was going to be a school that was going to be shut down. And then he took the bull by the horns and said, we're going to make this a design thinking school. We're going to work with the existing teachers, traditionally trained teachers, and focus on what it means to start with a problem of empathy and go from there and work directly in the community to help tackle some of these issues through the design the design process, um, humble beginnings, bold, big ideas that they're tackling. They have some partnerships with Verizon. They have a fab lab and they're constantly thinking about ways to take this design-based approach um, to their middle school, which is also really refreshing to see um, at the middle school level that they're embracing design. We also had the chance to visit High Tech High and High Tech International, uh, two of the middle schools and two of the elementary schools there in San Diego. Um, probably the best known project-based learning school in the world. Um, we're really big fans of Caleb Rashad, the director at High Tech High, who has really helped to introduce uh, a lot of design thinking to all the schools on that campus. And what I noticed new this time, and I think you and I talked about this, is a laser focus on design as a means to equity, right? So those the projects there, and you know, and Larry Rosenstock, founder, would say, "High Tech High is an equity project." I haven't felt it so strongly as this last time we were there, where it just really laser focused on how are we helping these students. Um, both, you know, in the immediate high tech high campuses right there at Point Loma, as well as beyond in the San Diego area to use design as a means to create more access and equitable learning opportunities. I'm always struck when I'm at high tech high by the art. It, it's just the best art school in the world. It's extraordinary. The, the middle school art is just so compelling. And um, and so I, I love how they bring that art and design into all the projects that they work on. Um, I, I was also struck at, you know, we, we see that at Design 39 and uh, Del Lago uh, as well. Just some people would call it STEAM, the integration of arts into uh, science, math, and, and engineering. But great to see. And yes, and that you don't abandon ship on all the other great things you have going on in your school. We also see, as you just mentioned, that at these places of learning, people are focused on design, but there's there's art, 
there's music, especially in Albemarle, pervasive music and art everywhere. And that these teachers are really honing in on design, but they're not abandoning ship on all these other powerful learning experiences that we know are good for kids. In fact, they're integrating them, which is, again, one of the trends we see that art is intrinsically connected to the design. We've seen that in El Paso. We've seen that in these schools we're mentioning here. Um, what about um, Purdue Polytech? I know you went to Indianapolis. I, I did. Uh, Purdue Polytech is a, a new school sponsored by um, Purdue University. It's a, an XQ school. It is a great example of uh, design thinking and, um, and entrepreneurship. They're working really hard to build a, a competency-based system. Uh, it's a super personalized environment where every student uh, builds a, their own schedule every week uh, with the help of an advisor. The, the one thing that I want to mention here is that a, a wonderful mixture of uh, being very intentional about projects uh, and while they are promoting uh, voice and choice across the curriculum, they are also uh, listening hard to the business partners in the community, like uh, we saw at Del Lago. They're also being really mindful of the the uh, UN Sustainable Development Goals. And so they, they combine a, a real uh, focus on what are the most important issues that young people need to tackle and what are they most interested in and, and look for those uh, intersections and try to create projects right at those intersections. One thing we also hear a lot from leaders who are rethinking school is that they need to focus on coding. They need to focus on computer science. Um, and, and we found that while that focus is good intentioned, that the design approach or the design frame allows you to incorporate um, those different needs and skills. I know in South Fayette, there was, and in Montour, there's some real focus on coding, on robotics, on Minecraft, um, but with the design thinking as the approach. Explain that to us, how that works. So Carnegie Mellon is just such a great um, university partner there in Pittsburgh, and, and so is uh, University of uh, Pittsburgh. The two of them have really uh, helped to, to create a focus on computational thinking. Um, that has just been brought to life by the uh, Grable Foundation, uh, headed by Greg Bauer. And they have this great initiative called Remake Learning. Uh, I think their Remake Learning days are going on uh, now in Pittsburgh. But that that's just lit up the city and made visible active learning in, um, in all the fantastic uh, districts that are uh, around Pittsburgh. And South Fayette is just the best example that I have seen of embracing um, computational thinking, which I, I would say is a cousin of design thinking. It's a slightly different methodology that comes more from uh, computer science than from uh, design, but it, it, it is a structured problem-solving approach uh, that's used across the, across the curriculum. That approach to having students, uh, the outcome being really strong problem solvers aligns with everything we know about what employers are looking for, what we know, uh, the types of people we like to work with, right, on our own team at Getting Smart. Um, and so really feel like that's a good vehicle for developing graduates or learners who um, leave with those types of skills. 
So I mentioned Albemarle before and one of my favorites, Agner Hurt, but we saw some other elements of design and some of these ideas that we're talking about other schools in the district. What was something that uh, stood out to you there? Well, I, I, I like the way that um, in their 2015 plan, they identified uh, what they call seven pathways. Um, this is really a, a, a pretty detailed view of what they, um, how they think about powerful teaching and learning. And really for the last three years, that has shaped um, not only their program, but also their, uh, the, the facilities redevelopment. Um, and they're now in the process, the, the uh, deputy superintendent that's taking over has been leading a, a, pro a project to reimagine high schools. And so these seven pathways are uh, that that include uh, choice and maker and project based learning and you know universal design um, are are all being incorporated into both program and facilities development. And we noticed that across each of the schools we went into, it didn't all look the same, right? So there was this idea that leadership there um, under Pam Moran and now Matt, um, the future superintendent, that the idea is by innovating for some, you create inequities for others. So she encouraged and invited all of the schools to embrace the ideas of design, design for what works for that individual context. And so it each kind of came to fruition differently in the elementaries you went to, the middle school the high school, and then the emerging um, community charter um, that we also visited that's within districts. So great example of system-wide um, focus on design and on innovation um, while individual in respective contexts. Yeah, I want to just underscore the, the paradox that Pam and, and Matt Haas um, embrace in Albemarle, that they do promote innovation um, but innovation can create inequity. And, and so as soon as they develop something new and it, it appears to be working, then uh, they, they quickly ask, how do we make this systemic and, uh, and expand access for all students? So, you, you know, you appreciate the, the tension that they have of, on one hand, finding a way to get to yes, that's kind of their motto in Albemarle, and on the other hand, how do we make uh, it, it, it equitable for all learners? What about when we went into Woodbrook Elementary? They had brand new design, a brand new space. It was just opened on April 30th, 2018. And they already were going through a short sprint, a short design sprint of right. testing out the space yeah, with students that. to see whether or not they embraced it, they liked it. And we talked to two little little ones who um, were in the multi-age space saying they already loved it. They were already giving feedback to their teachers. In fact, they gave Pam um, feedback while she was standing there about what they liked about their space and what they would change. I mean, end of school year, are going through a short design sprint. Beautiful. Yeah, I, you know, Lisa, the principal there, what a gifted leader. Um, you know, and like Pam, she's been there um, in the district for a long time. And, you know, the, the love that um, those administrators um, have for each other and their staff and their kids is just so evident. Uh, you can just see it and feel it in the, uh, in, in the culture there. And that this design approach has really unleashed 
them that they've really felt like two designers and creators alongside uh, everyone else in the district. Um, so you also you went to you mentioned Sammy a little bit at the beginning of the call. Any other schools in Pacific Northwest that we should be thinking about? The the cool thing about Sammy is that it it's part of a an innovation network uh, inside uh, the Tacoma Public Schools, and it started almost twenty years ago with the the School for the Arts uh, Soda, which is another great uh, place based learning example that uh, where students are learning in museums and in theaters and in, at the University of, uh, of Washington. And they've also launched a IDEA, which is an industrial design school. Uh, so a great example of a, a, a school district innovating. Those three schools are also helping to create uh, work-based learning opportunities for all the schools in the district. And uh, the other cool thing that I saw yesterday, Emily, is that at, at SAMI, the the uh, the science school at the zoo, they have a preschool, and every preschool in Tacoma sends their students for uh, one week, and uh, all the students um, get a chance to learn at the zoo and in the woods, you know. And so instead of having a a fancy private preschool for fifteen students, it's now an opportunity for every student in Tacoma to experience a, a forest nursery or a, a, a week at the zoo. So I just, I love the equity lens that they're bringing in Tacoma and the, and the whole student uh, focus. That's incredible. When I was teaching, we'd have fourth, fifth graders who hadn't been, you know, outside of their two mile radius of our city. And we constantly were thinking about how have we not gotten them out sooner? So that's an incredible opportunity um, that you just described. So let's recap. Well, we've talked about uh, some really amazing schools. Uh, we'll include um, links and uh, more information in the in the show notes. Uh, we've talked about design across the curriculum, not just in the Maker Lab. We've talked about supporting design with skill building. That's research and prototyping and project management and writing and presenting. It's the sort of scaffolding and uh, formative assessment that goes on, you know, during the process. And then finally, extended challenges, uh, making time to really go deep and take on really big issues and getting un- getting comfortable with, with being uncomfortable with saying, I don't know, but let's figure this out together. And I think for me, one lasting uh, impact I've seen these schools have is that they're embracing all students. They're not embracing what you or I may have originally thought would be a student interested in this type of school. Um, I'll give you an example. We went to DTech led by Ken Montgomery, if you're listening, thanks Ken, um, that there was a student, Anna, that I talked to who said, I originally came from a traditional high school in the Palo Alto area and found herself at DTech because she couldn't, she didn't like the traditional learning model. And she said, I don't know what they would do if they closed this school. And I said, tell me more. She said, I didn't care about design. Um, I didn't care much about learning at all. But now if they close this school, I would have to move probably to San Diego to go to another design-based school. Um, so any student, um, any kind of format, any type of school, we think this approach really can work and is something to be considered. Emily, you've set up some 
really awesome school visits uh, for us and uh, and for our friends in in the last few months. Um, where can people learn more about a school visit? You can learn more about a school visit in the show notes of this blog, but also you can email me, emily at gettingsmart.com and happy to talk more. We both believe that seeing is believing and you can listen to us all day long, but you got to go and you got to see it. We think visiting schools is the best form of professional learning. It really, for me, it's been life changing and just uh, it continues to help me evolve my sense of what's possible. Absolutely. Hey, you've been listening to the Getting Smart podcast. Uh, Check out our blog at gettingsmart.com. That's where you'll find the show notes for this and other podcasts. We'd love to have you rate and review the show. Let us know what you think. Hey, Tom. Thanks so much. Thanks, Emily. This is Tom. We're out.